This morning, we're going to be talking about peace and strength. So where do you go when you need peace and strength? Well, if you need peace and strength, the Bible constantly reminds us that it is found in God and God alone. Amen? All right, we're going to try that again. Um, I don't know if you haven't had your coffee. I know I do this every time I speak, and so you guys should get used to this, all right? The Bible tells us, if you are in need of a little bit of peace or strength in your life because of a circumstance that's making you weak or distressed, instead of going to all those sorts of random places, it reminds us constantly that our source of peace and strength is found in God and God alone. Amen? Amen. So that's where we ought to go. And see, we see in verse 11, King David has a prayer for the church. And he says this, he says, may the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. That's his prayer request for the people of God. And so for us, it should usher us into a place where we seek the Lord for peace and strength. Now, God is so reliable in the area of peace and strength that if you follow the scriptures at all, it shows us constantly over and over again that that's where we need to look as our source. I want to give you four verses out of so many. And there's one slide for it. Let's see if you can go there. Psalm 4.8 says this, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Isaiah 26.3 says, You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Psalm 59, 16 says, But I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning, for you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. Ephesians 6, 10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Constantly throughout Scripture. This is why David is making this prayer for the people of God, so that we would not look towards all sorts of things that are not reliable, like the source of peace and strength, that is our God. Now, but you know why I love this psalm? I love this psalm because it gives us what I call the perspective of why. Because verses 1 through 10, the bulk of this psalm is about giving you perspective on reasons why you ought to seek the Lord for peace and strength. He doesn't just say, oh yeah, go for peace and strength because he's God. No, literally, he's going to spend the bulk of it before you or maybe need some reasons to give you some really, really valid things to hold on to as to why God deserves really our full attention in these two areas. So, this psalm moves in three stanzas. And I want to look through all three to help you to get the perspective of why we should seek God for peace and strength. Are you with me? Um, are you with me? Thank you. I don't ask rhetorical questions usually, so it, it, you know it helps if you could kind of help me by kind of answering back. Well, the first stanza and the first reason why peace and strength are accessible in God is because in verses one and two you see that God is supreme over heaven and over all the heavenly beings. All right, so let's take a look at verse one and two. It says this: Ascribe to the Lord, meaning what? Worship, give glory, give credit. To who? The Lord, right? 
And then it mentions who should be the ones doing this ascribing. It says what? Who are the heavenly beings? Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. So the first thing he does is to convince you that you should seek God and God alone for peace and strength. He takes you to heaven. And he says, in heaven, all the heavenly beings, really all the angels and maybe those that are there currently because God has saved them and they've passed from this life, they're there in the presence of God in holiness, right? Because they are in the presence of God. So they need to have some sort of holiness to be in his presence. It's like, you guys, you are compared to God, nothing. And so you are to worship him. Right? Even the angels that maybe we would look to and marvel at their strength and their supernatural abilities, even you, you are nothing compared to God, so he deserves all of the worship. So that's where he's starting. Now, I know this illustration is not going to do it justice, but you know what he's trying to actually do? It's something like this. Uh, there's a picture of this guy. You guys know who this is? Anyone? I'm sorry? Lionel Messi. He's considered the greatest soccer player in the world. Did you know that? You're like, well, it's Cristiano Ronaldo. No, it's not. It's actually Lionel Messi, <laughs> right? He's actually the best. And everyone knows it. I mean, he's so good that even last week during the Copa America, I don't know if you saw this, this happened. He made this amazing goal, and actually a fan came out of the stands and started bowing down and worshiping before Lionel Messi. Now, it's one thing for a fan to do that, but it's another thing for actually players, professional players paying millions of dollars who are on the same field as him, who worship him and recognize this. There are times, and this is the next picture, where actually players that he's playing with after the game, they actually ask him for his autograph. You know how weird that is? You finish the game and you're like, hey dude, hey, you're really good. Can you sign my jersey? Like, but this is literally the players that he's actually playing with. Not only that, but there's this tradition in soccer where after the game, you do what? Exchange jerseys, right? It's a sign of sportsmanship. If you ever watch a game with Messi, 20 minutes even before the game ends, there's players that will start talking to him. You know what they're talking about? Because everyone wants his jersey. So they're like, hey, man. Can I be the one to get your jersey? Like, hey, you know, after the game, you know, we've been playing together. Let me have your jersey. And they'll start the conversation. Isn't that crazy? They're literally like, you are, they're peers. But they all, even though they're all great at soccer, their skill level is world, just, just amazing. They all still recognize that he is the greatest. Now, I know that this illustration doesn't do it justice, but this is what David is doing. He's taking you and ushering us into the presence of God, into the throne room, where we might marvel at angels or those that are in heaven in the splendor of their holiness, and yet even them, they recognize what? That God is that much greater and that he deserves that much worship, that they should ascribe to him strength. And so if in heaven he is supreme in that way, how could we not look at our very lives and say, man, yeah, God, he's worthy and able enough to provide peace and strength for my little life. Amen? And so that's what King David is doing. He starts in heaven and he says, look, you all heavenly hosts, 
Lord, literally in the presence of God, you worship him. You know, I want to take you to one, because there are two main passages where actually we get to get ushered into the throne room of God through scripture. And in Isaiah 6, I don't know if you remember this, Isaiah has a vision. And he says this, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, right? One of the heavenly ones. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. And with two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Literally, even in their majestic, angel-like, heavenly, created beings, they can't help but to say, God, you are that worthy of all of our worship and attention. You know that this is the only time in Scripture where one word is repeated three times, back to back to back. And you know in Scripture, repetition is what? It's meant to highlight and emphasize something. That's why Jesus says what? Truly, truly, right? And here is literally the heavenly host. Because God is that supreme, they literally declare holy, holy, holy. And so if he is that supreme over heaven, we should look to him for our peace and strength. So that's point number one. Point number two. <clears throat> says this. By his voice alone, he has full control over all creation. If you look at verse three and on, it says this. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare, and in his temple all cry glory. As you read this, I don't know if your first thought is like, what is that? Why are there so many random details? This is not random. Because David is speaking to a specific audience that understands that cultural context filled with pagan gods. When they would attribute, even Christians, they would go to the God of rain, water, fertility, thunder. And when David is writing this, he's literally trying to attack that idea that you would literally go to these, these minuscule non-gods and trust in their power to provide these things. And what King David is saying is like, just by his very voice, he brings water, not just water. He's in full control of many waters. It mentions cedar, right? You know why it mentions cedar? Because it was used for wooden idols. But not only that, it's considered one of the strongest woods that you can find. That's why even currently in our day, if you go and buy patio furniture, you know what wood they use? Anyone? Thank you. <laughs> Yes, eater, they'll sometimes use redwood, but most of it is cedar. The reason why is because it has the less, kind of, it just won't, it won't warp that easily. It's very strong. And literally it's saying, God, by his very voice, he has power to break the cedars of Lebanon. 
And here it also mentions two mountains, right? Lebanon and Syrian. It's considered its north, and it's one of the biggest two mountain ranges in the area. So one of the highest points, Mount Hermon, is on the Syrian side. And so literally the people, as David is mentioning this, they recognize this, literally saying like the Himalayan mountains to us. We recognize it as, wow, it's a grandiose, huge mountain. And he makes it, David says what? Makes it dance like a calf. And that's the picture. Because God is that powerful and strong and in control over creation. Now, this should also hearken you back to what? Genesis 1, right? Because not only does he have control over these waters as, you know, he sees certain things about nature, but by his very word, he not only moves and controls it, but he created it just by speaking it. It became. So literally, whatever happens in our lives, Whatever is happening in the earth around us, it's a picture for us to remind ourselves that God is in full control. He has ultimate power and authority. And so whatever is happening, I can trust him, and he is strong enough to provide. Let's go to point three. says this, God is Lord over the flood, so he ought to be the Lord of our lives. If you look at verse 10, it says this, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. So I want you to see the three movements. He starts in heaven, and then he moves down to what? Earth. And then the third stanza is what? Our very lives. And he's literally saying, God is Lord. He's enthroned over the flood. Now, there are some commentators who mention, well, is it just kind of a general flood? No, but it's, most will say, no, he's talking about the floods really in our lives and the things that might cause us to lose peace or to grow weary. And David is literally saying, look, as much as you see all this going around you, you need to know that God is in full control of everything that's happening. Commentators mentioned that David is most likely in the midst of this huge, crazy storm. And it seems so chaotic and it's in out of control. And he's literally looking at it and saying, the Lord is in control over all of this. Isn't that beautiful? Because whatever is happening currently in your life that feels like chaos, the Lord God is enthroned and is in control over every single aspect of that. And so in that way, you can trust him for peace and strength. Now, this should hearken also your memory back to the book of Mark. Because you guys remember in Mark chapter 4, Jesus is sleeping on the boat. He's with the disciples. And something happens. A storm starts to come. You guys remember this? And what happens? The boat starts to rock. Jesus is still sleeping. He must be a heavy sleeper, right? He's still sleeping. So the disciples start getting worried. I want to take you there. In verse 38, it says this. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, speaking of Jesus. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still, right by his very voice, right? 
and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even wind and sea obey him? See, I don't know what you're going through currently, but maybe it's a season of flood and chaos and you are growing weary and you are losing sleep and there is maybe seemingly no peace to be found. You know, I find myself when I go through those seasons, Jesus speaking these two questions into my heart saying, John, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And I believe he speaks that into all of our hearts and lives. Like, why are you so afraid? I'm Lord over the flood. I'm in full control, not only over heaven, over every living thing. And you think your life, I can't help? Why are you so afraid? Do you still lack faith? And I hope that for us, we would be reminded that our faith can increase if we would just go to God and say, God, I want to submit to you because you are enough for any situation that we are in. Um, I want to share, actually, um, I might have shared this illustration maybe about five years ago. Uh, if you saw it already, just kind of bear with me. Uh, but I think it's just fitting. You know, in 2009, uh, um, a pastor that I really like, Matt Chandler, uh, it was Thanksgiving, and uh, he's a megachurch pastor, 6,000 people at the Village Church, and so I listened to him read his books. Uh, on Thanksgiving morning, as he was cooking breakfast for his kids, he had a seizure, fell on the ground, and so they rushed him to the hospital. Can you imagine his kids? I mean, just crazy. Talk about lacking peace. They rush him, they do a few tests, and they find out that it's a malignant tumor in his brain. And they literally tell him, like, you've got to get surgery now or you're going to die. It's just... What I want to show you is actually a video blog from his church. This is before his surgery. Because I want you to see peace and strength in God. In real life. So I want you to take a look, and I want you to see how Matt Chandler kind of handles some of the most difficult, I'm sure, trying times in his whole life. So take a look. Um, hi, I'm Matt Chandler. I'm the lead pastor, teaching pastor here at the Village Church. Um, if you haven't heard, it's been uh, quite the weekend, uh, really quite the week for us. Uh, on Thanksgiving morning, uh, I had a seizure and woke up in the hospital. Uh, they did some scans and they found a, a tumor on my right frontal lobe. Um, it's about uh, two inches um, by one inch, so two inches in diameter, about one inch deep. Um, and on Friday, really by the time you watch this, uh, they're going to go in and, and cut it out. And so I, I wanted to say just a couple of things to you uh, very quickly. Um, knowing that this is the first weekend in FMX, we're live streaming, like all these good things are happening and I'm having to miss out on that. Uh, just trust the Lord with that. Um, but in, in the end, a couple of things. One, I, I just can't thank you enough. Um, and really the places where our hearts have been real tender is um, just the outpouring of love and encouragement and support and prayers 
um, from really not just the village but all over the world. And um, that's been such a humbling, humbling thing uh, to me and my family. Um, and so I wanted to thank you for that. And then um, the second thing, I just wanted to say this um, so you could hear me say this. Um, I've been, in my travels this fall, I've been preaching kind of the same message out of Hebrews 11. And in Hebrews 11, um, he says that, that some shut the mouths of lions and, and some, um, they put foreign armies to flight. And some, you know, he kind of goes through this, all these good things that happen to these men of God. And then right in the middle of, I believe, um, I believe it's verse 30. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but it's somewhere right in there. All of a sudden it just turns. I think it's 32. It just turns. And all of a sudden it says, and some were tortured. And, and some um, were sawn in two, and some were destitute, and some were, and, and then he said, but both, both walked in faith. And, and so this, I'm 35 years old, I'm at this point in my life, all he's ever given me um, was, I mean, we just, we've shut the mouths of lions, and we've put foreign armaments to flight, and we fought against injustice, and there've been nothing but good um, that has come. And so I've always felt like, um, I've always felt when, when I taught that message, there was this hitch in me that was going, when I say, but some don't get that, I, I thought that there would be people in the crowd that would say, um, well, well, of course you're going to say that. Of course you're going to point that out because God's done nothing but be good to you. He's done nothing but be gracious. He's done nothing but let you have victory after victory after victory. Um, and so when this all came out and then when we found out from the surgeon that there, we were expecting to get multiple options, here are your options, and we didn't. We got, there's one option. We need to get in there now. Um, there's this part of me that's so grateful that the Lord counted me worthy for this. And there's this part of me that goes, okay, because now in an area where it's not a big win, I get to show that he's enough. Then I get to praise him and exalt him and, and make much of him in this because I've got to make much of him in this. Now he, he's counted me worthy to, to point to him in this. Um, and so know that, man, we... We've cried our tears at my house, and man, I've held my children, and I've kissed them, and I've kissed my wife, and what I, what I would love is to be a 70-year-old man drinking coffee. I would love to walk my daughter down the aisle. I would love to see um, my boy turn into the athlete I never was. I mean, I would love to, I would love to do all of that, um, but none of those things is better than him. None of those things, and I'm saying that now. I'm saying that right now, not as the guy who has everything and has nothing in front of him that he could lose, but I'm telling you that now as a guy who could lose everything in, in an instant. Um, and so, man, I love you. I love this place. It's been the great joy of my life to yell at you for seven years. Um, my plan is to come back um, more aggressive. That's my plan. And so we'll see what the Lord has for me. Um, I, am, I am not afraid. Uh, and so for those of you who kind of you just keep living in fear, um, and, and you would try to use this as an excuse to continue in that fear. Don't you dare use me as an excuse to continue in your lies. Um, my hope would be that you would see that he is good in all things, and that he would never send to any of us things he does not provide strength for. I love you more than you know. I can't wait to, can't wait to be back. can't wait to be back. I love you. Amen, right? You know... Um, he's not able to say that because he's a pastor. He's able to say that because his peace and strength is found in God. And see, this, this is available for every single one of us. 
And what David is saying is, look, I know life sometimes looks like a flood of chaos and water and all sorts of stuff happening around you. You need to know that as a people of God, may God bless you with peace and strength as you pursue him, as you love him. So the last thing I did want to mention is this. We talked about how he's Lord over the flood, so he should be Lord over your lives. Amen? This whole idea is really, is really the backdrop of worship, this whole song. It talks about how in the temple the people of God are what? Declaring glory. And so don't use God as a vending machine. This is not what the psalm is about. It's not like you go to God and be like, uh, can I have two bars of peace? Uh, yeah, that looks good. Let me get three bars of strength. And then you walk away. It's literally as you walk with the Lord in worship and as he becomes the Lord of your life, the peace and strength comes into your heart and mind and life, even in the midst of the darkest struggles and trials, and they will come. And so we go to him because he's enough. He's supreme in heaven. He's in full control. By his very voice, he can do all things. And in our lives, he's Lord over every detail. So would you invite him into your heart and mind each and every day and let him take his rightful place as Lord over every single aspect of who we are. And I pray that in that way, you'll be able to find the peace and strength that God has for each and every one of us. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you I just want to pray a special prayer, God, for um, maybe some of us in this room that are going through a storm and, and it's rocking. Strength is waning. Trust in you maybe is shaken. God, make your peace known. Make your almighty supreme strength clearly, evidently known, God. That we as your people would pursue you, pray, seek you, and allow you to be really not only our Savior, but by our very action and lifestyle, declare you as Lord over all things, God. We thank you that you are that available. That although you are strong enough to crush us, you would come tenderly and provide peace and strength. But we need you so much. So we just thank you that you are that sort of God. And in that way, we come to worship you. So we thank you. Love you. In your name we pray. Amen.